0: But that is the uh, kind of the outdoor norm. So we're really excited to be able to uh, worship together, though. Um, It's definitely been fun this morning. I enjoy this environment. I think, you know, you go from two days ago where it felt like the weather was telling us the world was going to end to, well, we get this. And this is beautiful. Um, But I'm definitely encouraged to be together. Uh, You know, it's Easter. And so what I did was I threw out a poll uh, with our campus students. And I asked, okay, what are some things that you do on Easter that's different than, say, the rest of the year. And so I got a lot of traditional answers, right? Exchanging presents, uh, painting eggs, which some of the college students, I guess, still do. I don't know. Uh, Wear pastels. One time a year, you can wear, like, brighter colors and get away with it, I guess. I don't know. One student, I won't throw him personally under the bus, but uh, they still smash confetti-filled eggs on top of each other. How does that start? It probably started as an argument and then became a tradition. I don't know, but that's one of their traditions. But I think oftentimes we as a culture during Easter, we have a lot of things that we do today or or this week that normally the rest of the year we do not participate in. I think about a a large meal. You prepare a large meal for family. For some of you, this is the time of year you see family, this and Christmas, right? This is the time where, hey, we're going to come together and, and just connect and, be one. and I think oftentimes with that, it's, hey, we open our doors and invite our friends and our neighbors over. Hey, let's celebrate and this, this mentality, this urge to be hospitable. I think Easter brings that out in us. This mentality, hey, I want people in my home or, or with uh, meeting my family. Um, you know, oftentimes, again, this is the time of year people go to church. The birth and the resurrection of Christ is something that people are drawn to. It's, it's captivating. Even if they don't feel totally that way today, okay, this is the time of year. I feel like I've really got to focus in and connect with Jesus. And I get that. You know, in a lot of ways, this time of year, Easter, becomes a very communal time of year. We kind of stop our normal routines. Days off, you know, we get a day off work. I mean, oftentimes you get communal people, inviting people in, welcoming people together. And I know growing up, this was something that happened uh, with, with my family. Around Easter time, we'd have people come over. I'm like, this is the first time I've met that person. Just college students looking for a place to go. But my parents open their house, welcome people in. And for Kelly and I, this is something we oftentimes do for many years. Obviously, we've got this today, but hey, you don't got a place to go, college student? We've got a meal for you. And that's very attractive to a college student. Oh, free food, we're there. You know what I'm saying? Same thing at Thanksgiving with the Galmore family. Hey, you don't got a place to go? We've got you. I mean, this is, the, this is the time of year where we become a very communal type of people. So what I want to do this morning is I want to propose something to you. A, a thought. What if we lived every day like it was Easter? Not smashing eggs on each other's heads, amen? Right? Or, or you don't have to go pastel every time. But, but living Hospitable. Living a communal type of relationship with your neighborhood, with the people in your life, and living in celebration of the resurrection. Because oftentimes I think we we know this subconsciously, especially those who call themselves disciples. Okay, we understand what God has done for us, amen, of this. And so today that's, that's what I want to focus on. You know, every Easter we get the resurrection lesson, and it's a powerful lesson. God died for you. He rose from the dead for you. No one thought he could do it, and he did it because of how great. He put something on us. And it's this idea of what do we do in response to that amazing miracle. So the title of my lesson today is simply live every day like it's Easter. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 3. We do have the, uh, the app if you want to follow along. And so after Jesus rose from the dead, okay, the first century disciples went through a huge shift instead of following someone around now they were out they were leading the way so Peter preaches this sermon at Pentecost 3,000 people were baptized and then everyone decides okay we're just going to hang out and you just got people from all over living together this this new culture this new world dynamic was created they met together every day they broke bread in their homes. And oftentimes, I imagine them breaking bread in their homes with people they're just meeting for the first time. Oh, you, you follow Jesus now? Come on over. Glad to have you. Oh, here, my name's Jeff. I, I could just envision this new culture being created because of God's love and because of Jesus' sacrifice. From there, they gave to the, re- uh, the needy regularly. And daily, daily, God was bringing new people into their spiritual family. The disciples in the first century were living every day in celebration of the resurrection mindset today. What keeps us having that heart of living every day in celebration? You know, I think oftentimes in the world we live in, the busyness of the world can often pull us just a million different directions. We can get caught up in the cycle of doing the things that we know we need to do for our job, for our families, for whatever... And the most important things that are right in front of us, we will completely miss because we're so focused with our eyes in other places. You know, as as my kids get older, their lives get a little bit busier, which means my life gets a little bit busier. My wife's life gets a little bit busier because as they get older, they have their own schedules, which is hilarious for a six year old, a four year old, and a two year old. My six year old, she's got school, she's got soccer. And, it, it, and she, she participates, she goes. My four-year-old Jill, she's got school and she's got gymnastics and she loves it. My, my two-year-old, she's potty training. That's its own schedule if you've ever dealt with that. You just, you know, she tells you when she's got to go and the world stops. And that, that's kind of where we're at at the moment. But see, if, if we allow the busyness of our lives to dictate our schedule, God will become Secondary. And we will no longer be living in celebration of the resurrection. We will just be living towards. Is it God or is it just the daily routine? You know, so in Acts chapter 3, something pretty cool happened. The disciples living their daily routine in a 24-hour, you know, about a 24-hour time window, were able to change the world. And I believe it's fully because their heart and their minds were focused on living because of the resurrection and celebration of Easter. So I want to look at that. Acts three. We're going to start in verse one. You can follow along. It says, "One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, or at three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts." When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the men gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ and others, uh, uh, Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. He recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. So this amazing story, this wonderful miracle happened because Peter and John were doing what they always did. They were going to the temple to pray. That's how their day, about 3 in the afternoon, that's, that's how this part of their day was, was going. They were on their way. But instead of being locked into their religiosity, instead of being locked into their schedule, they allowed themselves to be interrupted so they could meet a need. You know, it's interesting. As I, as I read this, I wonder if they thought about that passage, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Instead of being fixated on their journey, they stopped to help someone in need. Think of the, the Levite, the religious leaders. You think of the people that were walking by because they were too busy to help focus on this need right here. Peter and John were not locked into the schedule. They saw a need. They stopped. And they offered to help. You know, I think for me, the resurrection personally compels me to push past my selfishness and keep my eyes focused on the things that Jesus would do. My sinful nature is, is to be selfish. It's to value my time more than anything else. But I feel like the one thing that I've learned when walking with Jesus is to not deny myself, keep my eyes up, and not overlook the needs. But the only way I can do that is if I'm denying myself and keeping my eyes up. Otherwise, I'll be very fixated on myself and the things I need to worry about. Or even my family and the things that I need to take care of with them. And so I think for us, seeing Peter and John's example to keep their eyes focused on the need and not just their schedule was was paramount, was something worth imitating because a great chain of events happened from that moment. Understanding the resurrection should compel us to live differently. You know, the resurrection itself had a huge impact, especially on John. And I'll tell you what I mean. If, if we think about this for a moment, here's John stopping on his way to worship his God to help someone in need. If we look back, and we won't just kind of make a note, mental note, we look at Luke 9. When there was someone in the way of Jesus, him and his brother's solution was to call down fire from heaven to kill them all. John's grown a little bit since Jesus' resurrection. He saw, he saw a different world. Hey, there's a need. Instead of promoting my agenda, hey, let me help someone. Let me fixate on how I can help them in their place in life. Understanding the resurrection should compel us to live differently. To see the world differently. To love more consistently. And in my opinion, live every day Like we're celebrating this giant miracle. Do we live each and every day responding to the resurrection? Are we more focused on changing the world? Or just living in it? For Peter and John, and for the rest of the disciples, they wanted something better than what they had. They wanted wanted to see God's name made known in their area. And to evangelize the world. Because that was what Jesus' mission was for them. You know, so at this point, this huge chain reaction occurs. The paralyzed man, overjoyed from his miracle, starts jumping and leaping and praising God. People had seen this man before, and so they're curious. So Peter and John go, well, I guess we're preaching about Jesus. So they begin to preach about Jesus, who he was, how he died for them, and and how he was raised from the dead for their sins. And what this led to was two things. One, they got thrown in jail. But two, many people heard and gave their lives to Jesus and were baptized because of their message. That's wonderful. The message only happened because they took the time to meet a need. They stopped. And so they get thrown in jail and God's like, nah, I'm not feeling that. And so he goes, okay, I'm going to let you out. Opens the door. Tells them to go out and just keep preaching. So they go out and keep preaching. The religious leaders don't know what to do. And they get to a point where they're starting to be afraid of them. Because they were preaching so powerfully, they became the, uh, the religious leaders became so afraid that the people were going to stone them. The, that the people would stone the religious leaders because of how powerful the disciples were preaching. That's the message of the resurrection. It, it's, it's intoxicating. It's inviting. It's engaging. Why else do people come out to church at least twice a year? Because it's engaging. It draws people in. Are we living every day in celebration of the resurrection? After they were released from jail, the disciples, they, they, they were released, they, they were beaten, they didn't care. They celebrated to be worthy or persecuted, worthy of Jesus' name. And so they began to pray. And when they prayed, the whole assembly shook. An earthquake happened, which led to more people being overjoyed and wanting to go and preach the gospel. In 24 hours, the disciples went from two guys on a prayer walk to changing the world. It's phenomenal. And so when I hear this story, I have to ask myself a series of questions. The first is, do I believe my God is that powerful? That God can take me where I'm at and use me to change the world. And the second thing I've got to ask myself, it just took 24 hours. World changed. Because they decided to continue to do what God had called them to do. And and these are things that I've really wrestled with. Okay, Do I believe this? And here's the hard thing. If I believe God can do this with me, if I believe God can do it this quickly, the question then finally is, am I ready to do it? Not do I want to do it, not do I have the heart to go do these things, but am I prepared to be used by God? That's that's a hard question. I want to say, I hope so. (laughs) I want to say, yeah, I'm ready, God. And then everything comes, you're like, I wasn't ready, God. Are we prepared to do what God is calling us to do? You know, personally, I start to think about my motivation. Hey, what's my motivation? Yes, God. Yes, the cross. Yes, the resurrection. But on an everyday, what's my motivation? You know, I think of the the motivation, uh, one of the motivations for me is trying to create a better world for my daughters to live in. I don't know how long God has me here. I don't know what his plan is for me. But... As long as I'm here, I feel like, hey, I want to be able to work alongside him to create a world that my daughters can live in. Create a culture where, you know what, people around them are praising God. I want to be a part of a church where they have deep relationships that point them back to God. I want them to be a part of a community where people band to be a a part of a family of believers that understands what it means to live for God each and every day of their lives. That's what I want for my kids. And I want to do what I can to help create that community. And we've got to see what is our motivation. What are we working towards? And I think if we have that motivation, I think an eagerness will start to set in to want to be prepared. So the question is, are we ready? Sorry about the dirt that just came, that sandstorm. My bad. We're almost done here. Two things, and we'll end with these two things. Two things that I feel like will help us be ready. Number one is we've got to make ourselves available. You're going to be ready. You've got to be available to go. The reason Peter and John were able to have the impact that they did was they allowed themselves to be distracted. They were on their way to worship. Yet when the opportunity presented itself for them to help, they did not hesitate. And I I realize, you know, for myself, it's very difficult to help people in need if I'm never noticing the need. I can't help, I can't give observant to the world that's going on around me. Be observant to the needs so I can be able to jump in an instant to be able to give. You know, one of things I always talk about to the students is to prioritize the things in their life that are most important. Not the things they want, not the things that they feel like are most important, but according to God, putting the things that are most important at the top of the priority list. Because if God is our priority, although it's difficult, we will find a way to make ourselves available to help people in our path. Because we will always find a way to do the things we want to do. So if God is that priority, then we'll find a way. The second thing I want to put out there for us is if we can see people like Jesus saw them. We can have an impact if we can see people the way Jesus saw them. The Bible says in Mark 6 and also in Matthew 9, Jesus saw people as harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. He saw people hurting. He saw people in need. And he said, I, I need to help them. I need to be there for them. I need to love them. And they need to feel that love. He saw them suffering, and he had compassion on them. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he had that same compassion to not just the helpless, but to the people who were persecuting him. Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. This was his mentality. All people need to see the love and feel God's forgiveness. Jesus' compassion was limitless. He saw the world hurting and he was willing to give his life for it. I believe that's what it's going to take for us to do the things that God has called us to do and have the impact that God knows that we can have. So at this time, we're going to take communion. We'll pass the trays. You know, I think one of the things we've got to have an uh, oper- or one of the things we've got to understand is that Christ died and was raised for us, not just so we can continue to go on doing whatever we want to do and feel like we're okay, saved by grace, but that we could live a new life, that we could create a new culture in the name of Jesus, having an impact on our world and being able to change it at the drop of a hat, and that's because of His love. So I wanna challenge us today as we, we take this time to connect with Jesus, to be thinking about these things. What has Jesus done for you? And how are you going to respond to it? Because ultimately that's why we're here. Not to just celebrate, which we do, but to respond for what God has done and live every day like it's Easter. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, you are wonderful. You are holy, you are worthy of praise. God, we are just so convicted by your son, his life, his sacrifice. God, and we are just so grateful for his resurrection. God, the willingness for him to come down to earth to be with us so that we may know you better. God, it's just so inspiring for all of us. God, we pray right now that we can can celebrate what he did for us, God, but then we we can respond. We can live a life devoted to you, God, and helping others know you as well. God, we are so amazed by you. We are so in love with you all this in your Son's holy and blessed name. Amen. let's give Jeff another round of applause for his nice lesson for us. I thought the podium was going to be-